The scripture reading for today is from Philippians 3, verses 1 to 11. It can be found on page 1828. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to perform confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for, legalist, as for legalistic righteousness by faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, and I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in him sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Thank you, McKenna. The topic this morning is uh, Rejoice in the Lord Always. Dear congregation, as uh, December 25th is coming closer, we're in the season of Advent. So we're in this time of looking forward to a celebration of Jesus' birth, and it's going to be a time of rejoicing. So what is rejoicing, and how are we to rejoice, and when? are we to rejoice? Philippians is a book that is full of rejoicing. We should actually read the entire book. So that'll be your homework for this afternoon, for this week sometime. But for now, we'll focus on verse 1. Notice that the Apostle Paul starts with the word, finally. How often when we are listening to a message and we hear the words in conclusion, we perk up our ears and with full attention listen for the punchline. And as we anticipate the instructions for the week, we're wide awake. Yet, Paul goes on for another chapter or two. So how long is your attention span this morning? We'll find that out. We will start with defining the word Rejoice. Rejoice is the act of giving thanks. A celebration of being joyful, happy. And when a person has a birthday, when Gerald Keitel has his birthday this week and Pauline Voss has a birthday next week, then it's time to sing. Time to rejoice. There are a couple of ads on TV that promise joy. 
you need to buy a certain mattress and your sleep will be so good that you'll wake up in the morning full of rejoicing. You had a good night's sleep. Another ad has a lady having problems going to the bathroom. But after taking Restorlax or Metamucil, she's so happy she's dancing on air. But when you retire for the night with prayer and trusting in God, you can be with David in Psalm 5. It reads, Weeping may start in the night, but joy comes in the morning with a new day. When Paul was confronted on the road to Damascus by Jesus, his life was changed, and he began to know Christ. He began to rejoice, and we are on that same road, putting our faith in our Savior Jesus. Knowing that Jesus died for our sins gives us immense joy. A great weight is lifted up from you, and you can have lightness in your step. The heavy burden of sin is lifted up off your shoulders, and then you should be in the state of rejoicing. When others are bubbling up with joy and smiling with a contagious smile, we rejoice. So, how are we to rejoice? Paul writes, in the Lord. Why do we rejoice in the Lord? We as a sinful people do not deserve eternal life. But God sent Jesus to redeem us. He has given us grace as he made each one of us. And he loves each one. For the believer, this brings great joy. The joy that is the strength of our living. And we can sing to God aloud, for he is our strength. When we have this taste of joy, it is also like a weapon to defend us from Satan's attacks. When you have this weapon of joy, it's like a piece of armor that can protect you from all pitfalls. This joy of knowing the saving grace of Jesus is our lifeblood. This joy does not come from a full stomach or a huge bank balance, or having a fancy car, or living in, living in a mansion. This bubbling joy comes from submitting your life to God. Rejoice in such a way that is natural, so natural that joy comes with every breath and heartbeat. In the verses 2 to 6, Paul states that the Pharisees put their confidence in being very legalistic and being faultless in obeying the laws and extra man-made rules Try and being a good person. If you're good, then you're happy. But if, even if you are a good person and do not know Christ as your Lord, how can you rejoice? You can only rejoice with your whole being when through faith you believe that you have been made righteous through the death and resurrection of Jesus. David in Psalm 30, in verses 6 to 12, kind of has that reflection. It reads, When I felt secure, I said I will never be shaken. Lord, 
When you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? How will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and may not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Yes, we owe our rejoicing to the Lord. Now we come to when are we to rejoice? Paul writes in Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Can we rejoice always? Was I supposed to rejoice when a fire consumed half the farm along with my son's home? Was I to rejoice when grandchildren did not come to full term? Can we rejoice through sickness, snow in September? And you can add to this list of calamities. Yes, we can. And how can we say that? We do, we do mourn, and we do not clap our hands with joy when calamities happen, and we don't have a party, but we can rejoice in our hearts because nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And I'll read Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nehemiah 8, verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you are convinced that you have this assurance, uh, then you can have this incredible joy. You can rejoice always. You can live your life without fear. You can go to bed, you can drive your vehicle, you can go on trips, you can climb mountains. You know that your life is in God's loving arms. I always wondered how missionaries could make themselves so vulnerable in, to danger in countries where persecution is so prevalent. And then I realized they have the peace of Christ in their hearts. When we are questioned why we are so upbeat in our daily living, we answer, because Jesus loves me. We sing or whistle praises to God as we work and as we keep Jesus as the focus of our life. Rejoicing in the Lord is not a luxury, 
but a necessity of a Christian. Actually, it's a command. Rejoice in the Lord. We may rejoice. We will rejoice. We must rejoice, for the Lord is always near and returning soon. Finally, yes, some of you are waiting for that word, finally. Like the Apostle Paul, I can go on for another chapter. The last question is this. What are we going to do with all our rejoicing all day long? Are we going to rejoice alone? When Jesus was born, there was a whole host of angels that sang God, glory to God in the highest. We are to invite others to join us in our rejoicing so that they can rejoice too. We may be part of the 99 that are already in the sheep pen, but a parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15 states that when the owner of the lost sheep finds them, he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And again in the parable of the prodigal son, the father says, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. And also in Luke 14, we read the parable of the great banquet. When those invited had excuses not to come, he had invitations to go out to the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame, and since there was still more room, gather those from the roads and the country lanes. The house had to be filled. God wants his banquet hall filled. He loved us all. And this brings us to the great commission of making disciples of all nations. This also brings us to our vision statement of Bethel, a family of growing disciples in Christ. Yes, we can celebrate and rejoice when the sheep pen is full of prodigal sons. So let us live a life of rejoicing so that others may want the same reason to rejoice in the Lord. We are to rejoice in the Lord always. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Well, a short prayer. Lord, we often fail in our rejoicing, and sometimes we are so distraught that we do not feel like rejoicing. We pray that we can re can be reminded daily of your immense grace and mercy, so that we can rejoice always. Amen. Now we'll sing a song of response. Rejoice, O pure in heart. You can rise as we sing that song. <laughs>